This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of Inner Healing Paths Podcast. I'm your host, Rosa, and this episode is titled on decolonizing mental health and healing intergenerational wounds and imposter syndrome with Claudette Mestayer. So in this episode, we talked about so many different things. We talked about decolonizing mental health, decolonizing the classroom. We talked about imposter syndrome. We talked about healing our inner mean girl. So for those of you that don't know Claudette, Claudette is a licensed mental health therapist. She specializes in helping women who are struggling with substance abuse or healing from trauma, especially those from marginalized communities. As a reminder, I do want to let you know that this episode does not treat or diagnose any physical or mental health condition. This episode does not substitute for healthcare or mental health services of any kind. Guests have a right to share their opinion and perspective, and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Also, I want to remind you all that if you like what you hear and you find it helpful on your healing journey, please share about it on social media or leave us a review. It really helps to be able to reach more people who need this type of healing or this type of information to help them on their healing journey. So thank you all so much for your support and for listening. So now we're going to go into our interview and I hope you enjoy this. I hope you find it healing. So take a listen. Hi, Claudette. Hi. Hi, welcome. Welcome to this uh, podcast. Thank you for, for agreeing to, to be on. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, especially after looking at <laughs> meeting through social media and looking at your Instagram, I was like, wow, I really vibe with everything that is being said and on your Instagram. And I'm glad we were able to connect. Yeah, same, same, likewise, and thank you so much. Um, so to get started, so tell us a little bit about yourself and the healing work that you do. Um, so uh, let's see, where to begin? Um, I'm Claudette. I am a licensed clinical social worker in Oakland. Um, I was born and raised in the city, San Francisco, um, and I work here um in Oakland on Ohlone land. Um I am also a professor at uh or lecturer at UC Berkeley. Um and I teach social work stuff. Um a little bit about me. My family is from Nicaragua and they came here um escaping war. Um and I always mention that because I, I think it's a big part of my story about being a product of war, even if Absolutely. I, <laughs> even if I was born here and, and, and um, came after, but um, I'm a product of war um, here in the United States. Um, and I grew up in, and being, being a family um, coming from war, I grew up in, a family that struggled a lot with trauma, um, unhealed trauma. Um, and, and that looked different for different people. Um, you know, um, my brother struggled with and continues to struggle with, uh, addiction and severe mental health issues. Um, my dad also struggled with alcoholism and, um, and also abusive, uh, uh, you know, behavior. Um, my mom also struggled with depression and anxiety and, um, 
And, you know, people in my family struggled with a lot of anxiety and untreated trauma um, in many different ways. Um, And whether that came up through violence or mental health issues or addiction, um, that's what I grew up in. And I grew up with my grandparents. Um, They helped raise me. And so um, a lot of my healing modality comes from my ancestors and my family, um, and what they went through. Um, and so I am, I, I work with, um, people who have experienced trauma and I work with first and second generation immigrants. Um, I work with people of color and I work with the LGBTQI plus, um, population. Um, and really the, what I focus on is trauma treatment. And that looks like that can look so different in so many different ways. I think, um, I think that, you know, we think about therapy as this end all be all thing about, um, ways to heal. And for me, I'm, I'm, because I want to honor my ancestors and I want to honor my, um, my like indigenous, um, uh, roots. I, it's really important for me to, to decolonize therapy and decolonize social work. And so that means defining healing in very different ways. Um, and not in very narrow defined, um, ways, ways that are, um, you know, that actually don't have definition or don't have like a set pathway. Um, and, and so that's my, my purse, my, my perception or perspective on, on, um, healing. And I think the other piece of it, that's really important for me in terms of decolonizing is recognizing systems and systems of oppression that impact clients. I think sometimes mental health can be this very individualized thing where it's like, you are dealing with, you know, individual mental health symptoms and you have individualized trauma. And, um, and we forget that actually like trauma is systemic and that, or that, um, that mental health symptoms are actually symptoms of systemic issues. Um, and so a big part of the work that I do in terms of healing is, is recognizing um, systems and how we've internalized systems and then dis- and trying to dismantle that. So that's why I, I talked about decolonizing, right? That's like a system of oppression um, in capitalism, right? Colonization and, and white supremacy, just the, these are systems in, in um, you know, white supremacy and capitalism systems of colonization. And so just kind of really being able to unpack that for people, I think is really important because um, this isn't just about the individual <laughs> and, and, and it's more than that. And healing is collective. It's not just individual. So, um, so uh, yeah, absolutely. That's, I, you know, that totally resonates with me also, just because, you know, and then just this podcast, you know, it, it's uh, the reason why, you know, it, it's, I call it inner healing path is because there are so many paths that lead to healing and it is a very much a layered process because, uh, you mentioned just in your life story, there's the generational trauma. There's also, the, you, you mentioned um, there was a war, which is why your family came to the U.S. So th- that's, an, you know, that's the layer in and of itself. And then you come here and there's that, you know, the the, the colonization mentality. And, and then for you as, as a social worker uh, to be able to, I, what I get is that you're, you're kind of taking a step back and looking at all of this, right? Your life, your, your family, your family, where you come from, your ancestors, and then of course the, the community or the, the societal systems of oppression, which adds to, to the trauma that we've already experienced on, on an individual level. So it's such a layered and, and it's, that's why it's such a complicated topic, really. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And I think, um, and I think, particularly for people who have experienced trauma have been kind of separated from like community or from our own self even. Um, And I think that part of healing is kind of figuring out who we are under it all and, um, and connecting with our like community um, 
to find uh, ourselves a little bit, I think. And it is very layered, right? Because it's like the individual, then the family system, then like the, then the, the society, the economic structure, right? Like the political system, like the, it's just, it, it is very layered. And, um, and so there's a lot to dig through, but I think sometimes it's, uh, you know, I think when we think about like, um, you know, uh, Western therapeutic ideals is like, the individual and like, how are we going to um, help you like heal from within and find your like, and, and figure out your, um, your symptoms and, and help you. Right. And I think sometimes what gets lost in that is it's actually not just that there's, it's not within, it's also without um, it's and, both. Yeah. And I think that's also um, just that concept for a lot of folks that we work with, I think it's very empowering to, to realize that it's not just them, you know, that it's not just because of what has happened in your life, but there's other elements that are so beyond your control. Um, but understanding that and having the awareness of these other elements and other layers can be very, very healing on an individual level. And, you know, it's just actually, now that we're talking about it, it's one of the reasons why I decided to go into social work, you know, is because of that person in the environment perspective because I, I mean at least in, you know when I was going to school it was very the focus was on understanding how an individual functions within within the different systems mm-hmm. um, you know of course the individual system but more more so the the family system right the the, the immediate groups I think they call it meso right meso system and then the macro of course which involves all of this that we that we were talking about mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think just kind of thinking about how they all intertwine. And I think like, um, you know, and I think it's, it's like thinking about like healing and you think about like um, evidence-based practices and what and what that means. Um, and I think for me, I think like, yeah, I obviously use evidence-based practices in my work. I, and I, you know, I, um, I use motivational interviewing, I use CBT. Um, I have been really dying to get trained trained in IFS because I think it's a very powerful tool. I it's very difficult to get trained, but I've taken some trainings on that, and that's an evidence-based practice. Um and but I and I also um use some somatic stuff, but I think uh, like the other thing about this is that there's more to healing than just evidence-based practice work. And I think like that is a big part of it too, is like, for me, it's like, you know, I want people to reconnect with their roots and who they are. Um, and sometimes like the world that we live in, like separates us from our culture, um, from like our food, there are like, like, um, you know, the, the people, the language, right. The, the um the rituals and so like really reconnecting with that I think is so important and and even if it wasn't part of your family just reconnecting with the power within you in a different way um I think is really important and so like I think for me it's like really important to be um really uh open-minded and flexible about that like what that looks like as for individual people and offering that to people like, you know, we can talk about it, we can do these tools, we can do these things, but like, there's other ways to heal and that, that it can be done within therapy, but outside of therapy, right? Like, there's so many other ways to heal. Um, And whether that's like, you know, seeing like a healer, like a traditional healer, or whether that's like doing, um, you know, like your own kind of rituals around like cleansing, um, or, you know, finishing something or ending something, right? Like I, like, or a grieving process. Like, I think, um, I think that those things are really important as well. And I think I'm bringing this up because I think that, you know, asking about healing, it's like, you know, we, we do talk a lot about therapy and I think therapy is great, but it's not the end all be all. There's like so much more, um, that's one aspect of the healing, but there's other aspects of the healing as well. Yes, absolutely. And, and, you know, one of the things that, um, 
you know, I firmly believe is that it starts with awareness, right? Awareness and then setting the intention to have these other things, not just therapy, also be healing, you know? So, you know, just, I don't know, let's say diet, you know, you, you're changing your diet can be healing in and of itself for, as a trauma survivor, you know, to be able to say, I'm going to nourish my body and take care of my body. But a lot of it has to do with the intention. So, you know, you, you change your diet with the intention of healing versus change your diet because I need to look a certain way by a certain time. You're, you know, it's so the intention can be can really make all of the difference, right? When it comes to, to healing. And I think, some, you know, sometimes having or talking about it with people and bringing awareness to this is in and of itself can, can guide in, in their, and guide them in, in their path and what is next, right? So I've done the therapy and I've done, so maybe, you know, reconnecting with my roots, right? Through food and, or taking a trip to my parents or my grandparents, um, land or you know something in that regard is the intention that can really really make a difference in terms of helping yourself heal from whatever has happened yeah and I think that's so important when you talk about food because for me it's like um one of the ways that I like take care of myself is like making um you know like food from my culture or like food from different cultures like just but using intentionality around what I'm doing in the kitchen. Like I'm creating something. Um, and sometimes it's a new dish and sometimes it's an old dish, but it's like creating something out of nothing, right? Here's a bunch of these ingredients yes, them together and like really being intentional. Like, um, when I do that and also like doing, you know, part of my self-care is like cooking and, and dancing at the same time. And like, what music am I listening to depends on my mood, but like, that's my, it's intentional. It's intentional, like taking care of myself. Um, and I think that, you know, that's the other part of healing, right. Is how do we take care of ourselves? Um, you know, I think that <laughs> it, in talking about this, I think sometimes it's like, you know, um, there's this, it, it it's, it's like self-care has been marketed as this, like, you know, like spa day or yeah, you know, exactly. indulge yourself in something like that. And we forget like the really basics of self-care, which is like, you know, are you sleeping well? Are you drinking enough water? Are you nourishing your body? And are you moving your body? And, um, and I say movement instead of exercise, because like movement is just being able to be in your body and use it with, to whatever capacity it can. Um, and like, sometimes we forget those basics. Um, and, and, and we think we're taking care of ourselves by doing these other things, but like, we're not actually taking care of ourselves. Exactly. But, yeah. And these are things that, that are free, right? I mean, you can, yeah. you can drink water, you know, I, I mean, it's just like a lot of times we're, we're conditioned to think that self-care means spending money, you yes. know, on a manicure and pedicure and going for a massage and all that, all that is wonderful and great also, but you don't have, that doesn't have to be the only way of self, uh, self-care. There's things that are accessible to you in this moment. Yeah. 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 I think like one of them is like just stepping outside. <laughs> yes. Right. Taking a breath. Yeah. <laughs> <Take> breath. <laughs> Taking a breath. Yeah. I love that one. Right. Like conscious, conscious, intentional breath. Right. Yes. I love that. <laughs> right. Like just in the moment, being able to just breathe in and just, Oh yeah, I'm here in my body. Um, and yeah. And just like, I, I think like, it's interesting because what you said about, um, you know, spending money, I think that's right. Like, I think that self-care has like really been, capitalized um and 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 so that often means that like it it often disconnects people from what it means to take care of yourself because it's like oh well that means i need to like spend money or, or buy something or i need to you know same thing with like i need to buy organic or i need to be you know whatever it is and and in actuality right that's just like this capitalized that's just capitalized version of self-care when in self-care can be the little things of just taking that breath or make you know checking in am i thirsty did i drink enough water like 
maybe I need to get an, an out more and one more hour of sleep tonight or right. Maybe I need to do some stretching. Um, maybe I need to just go outside and like be in the fresh air for like a couple minutes. Right. Um, and Absolutely. it's those things that really help us heal. Um, yeah, no, definitely. And, and, and I hope that, you know, for our listeners, I hope that you this take this as a reminder, you know, to just breathe, drink water. You know, I, I know every time I hear someone say drink water, like literally it makes me <laughs> want to drink water in that moment. Like, Oh, that's right. I have to. So this is your reminder. Um, and you know, going back, let's go back a little bit to what you were mentioning at the beginning. So you talked about decolonizing, sorry, social work and, and therapy in general, but let's, you know, I know that you're, you, you're a social work, uh, professor. And so how does that look like for, you know, from your perspective, from you, you know, being at the, at the university and just being in that, in that arena, um, how, how is that changing or how is that looking these days? Oh, that's interesting. Um, so I think for me, um, part of decolonizing social work as a professor is, um, several things, um, really being authentic as possible. Um, I did not code switch. I curse. I am myself in the classroom. Um, and because like all, you know, like these ideas of like professionalism are rooted in like white supremacy culture. Um, and so for me, just really, really understanding white supremacy values and how they show up in our work um, and combating those in the classroom. And so what that means is like, you know, right? What does it mean to be professional? Um, like, I, I don't need to prove that I'm professional or pr that whatever. I have the knowledge, I have the experience and that's what I'm there to share. Um, I also don't take a top-down approach. Um, my, the, my classroom is very egalitarian. Like I'm checking in constantly. I'm like, okay, so should we just chat in a larger group or should we do little groups? Like how was always feedback informed? Like at the end, how would this go? If there's any feedback, let me know. Um, the other thing about that is, um, you know, I really want my students to bring themselves to the work, I mean, to the, to the classroom. So I have them engage in, um, in, in all of, in all of the class, just engage in this, in an activity where they are kind of showing their, how they use creativity in their healing or recovery. Um, and just so that they can show their true selves and be authentic um, in, in the classroom. Um, I think the other part for me is, um, so, you know, and it's hard because I think like you think about how we grade, uh, as in a, in an institution, um, and, and grading, if you think about it has a lot to do with classification, right. And classification is, uh, is, is like rooted in colonialism. And so I think for me, right. Like I, I really make sure to tell people like the, the assignments, the work, it's not for me, it's for you um, to practice. And, um, you know, what matters is that you're here learning and doing your best. That's what matters above all else. And especially at an institution like Berkeley, um, you know, grades can be like really triggering for folks. And so um, I really try to like, unpack that and like th that this is a place of learning and if you're here learning if you're here doing giving it your best um that's what matters and and that at the end of the day what matters is like the knowledge that you're gaining to take away to then do the work to do social work um you know the funniest thing about this though i think is is um when people call me professor i think it's hilarious i i think it's funny when people call me professor because I, um, and, and, you know, there's different reactions to it. I think people do it out of respect and stuff like that. And, and I, and, and I'm like, if you want to call me professor, you can call me professor, but really like, I'm like, my name is Claudette and we can, <laughs> and that's, and that's, and I'm Claudette and, and I'm a social worker like you. Um, and so I really try to make, I, I really try to, um, 
dismantle the the top-down authority and top-down authority way of kind of um, teaching and really make it like an egalitarian space um, where we're all contributing and um, we're all in this learning environment together. Um, and I think that's really important. I, 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 you know, again, it's, it, it, I think for me, um, being a professor or a, a professor is really just about teaching. It's about, and, and it's about engaging people. And, um, and that's what matters most to me. It's like, how, what am I doing to support the up the 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 developing clinicians that are then going to go into communities like the communities my family lives in and the exactly. community I'm a part of and that's exactly. what yeah modeling really what what it what it needs to be in when we're working with folks you know in the community like you said because you know that's what social work is you know social work is not about memorizing um, facts or theories and names of of author, you know, it's, it's about um, connection, right? It's about empathy, radical empathy. It's about um, starting where the client is, you know, that's what one thing, you know, that they really focus on is like, you start with they're at, you know, you start where the client is. So as, as you know, in your role, it it sounds like that's what you're, you're modeling for them. It's like, I'm going to start where you're at. You know, I want to hear where you guys are at in this moment. Do you want to have a large discussion? Do you want, you know, it's, so I think that, in and of itself is more valuable, you know, in terms of learning social work is that's more important, especially when you're out in the field and you're working real life. That's what, that's what you, those are the skills that you really need to carry, right? Is, is, is that really under, that deep understanding of where they're at, the community, the, the people that you're serving and just meeting them where they are at not where you want them to be you know yeah and I think and 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 you saying that I think modeling is exactly the right word and I think you know it's like um I want to be I want uh, the authentic radical authenticity is so important to me and being as real as possible is so important to me because that's what matters in the work that we do um right like part of you know, part of what I say that is, is the purpose of my work is to empower people to be their true authentic selves. Right. And, um, and I, you know, in order to do that, I have to embrace my true authentic self and not be someone that I'm not. Um, and I think oftentimes when I, um, working with, um, you know, um, uh, students of color or young students or non-traditional students, a lot of the anxiety comes from, I feel like I need to know it all. I feel like I need to be a certain person when I'm in this role that is not me. Um, And then what that leads to is like imposter syndrome, like stress, work stress, and ineffective like treatment because you you are so caught up with, I need to present this certain way that you're not able to actually be in the moment yeah. with the client. You can't um, connect. And people, and, and, and that's an energy. I think it, it happens at an energetic level where yes. they can't connect with you. They, they, people feel, I'm talking about the, you know, just clients, folks, we yeah. all, we feel the vibe, we feel energy, you know? So when, when, we, when someone is presenting in a, in, a, in a way, like you described, just not being authentic, not being real, you feel it right away. And if you're trying to help that person, how receptive are they going to be to someone that is just telling them or, or, or not being authentic or genuine? Yeah. Not very, I mean, they might present okay with you and be cordial and nice, but it doesn't mean that the work is resonating with them or actually helping. Yeah, it, well, you won't be able to connect on a deeper level. And actually like I, you know, so I went through this myself. Um, when I, so I, I was, I went to Berkeley as an undergrad. Um, and then I worked, um, I worked in like the education system, like as a, as a college advisor, I worked at like in San Francisco, some high schools in San Francisco. And then I was, I worked, um, for like two and a half years at, um, El Cerrito High. Um, and I primarily worked with, um, you know, uh, young people of color, um, and kind of just supporting them. Um, and when I applied to 
Berkeley, like I actually wasn't going to apply to Berkeley. I, I was very, I had, I was, I was very nervous about applying to Berkeley. I didn't think that I was going to get in. Um, but a mentor of mine said, you know, you went to Berkeley. Why wouldn't you apply to Berkeley? Like apply to Berkeley. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm going to apply to Berkeley. Um, and when I got in, I was shocked and I couldn't believe it. And I also, um, had struggled with imposter syndrome. I felt like they had made a mistake or that I didn't really belong. And so my first semester at Berkeley, um, being one of the, like in my, the smaller cohort, not the larger cohort, but being like one of the most, most visible, like one of the only visible people of color, um, in that very smaller cohort, I felt incredibly uncomfortable. Um, Mm -hmm. and I felt like I did not belong. I felt Mm -hmm. like I should not be there. And because of that, I hardly spoke. I didn't say anything at all. Um, and in class, and I was very, I was, I couldn't even look people in the face. I was extremely awkward and, and tense and, and anxious. And it was so difficult for me. Um, and, I, and I always tell people this, but it was to the point that I, um, at the end of that first semester, when I had, I was warming up a little bit, one of the, one of my colleagues, one of my classmates um, was a little tipsy. And was like, oh, you know, <laughs> she's like, you know, when I when I first met you, I thought, wow, like Berkeley really does value diversity. They accept it's a, an autistic person into the process. Oh. Really oh, horrific on, um, yeah. uh, on so many levels. I mean, just because, just for saying that. But, exactly. Right? And, and this is someone that was a part of your cohort, someone yeah. that was in school to... Okay. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and that's, and, you know, and making assumptions or that's neither here nor there, but, but just saying this to you. Yeah. And so then that's when I really, like, after like there was a break and I realized I cannot continue to live my life like this, this is hell. And so I came back spring semester and I was like, I'm going to be my full authentic self in the classroom and that's what I'm going to do it took me though a lot more a lot longer to feel to be able to be my authentic self in the workplace Mm -hmm. I was working at Kaiser and I felt like I had to be a certain way working meaning I was an intern and I I, it was like a, a paid internship um my second year and I felt like I needed to be a certain way I needed to talk a certain way I needed to know everything um yes yes yeah. I struggled a lot and and wow. I and, and that and I learned a lot too I learned like I cannot be something that I'm not um if I'm going to be an effective clinician and if I'm going to support people in their healing process absolutely but you know I think that's one of the beautiful things about going into this line of work this healing work that we do is that as we are helping others indirectly I feel like just life capital L you know has a way of of bringing uh, bringing or showing us what we need to work on ourselves so, you know I don't know if it has happened to you but just as an example like when you're going through something all of a sudden you get clients that are dealing with the exact same thing and it's like as you're hearing yourself talk it's like you're listening to this like wiser part of you and you're like wait a minute I need to apply that to myself you know so I feel like you know sometimes we are we're we are put in these situations where we can't ignore it anymore you know so being in these environments that you described or with this classmate it's like it kind of is in your face to the point that it's like I I can't like not do something about this you know I have to take care of, of this for myself for my healing for my growth yeah um yeah and you know and I think and part of and so right and I think that was that's you know, there's a, it's just kind of like, you can't, there's a, comes a point where it's so much pressure to keep being who you're not, that it's, it's, it's not possible to, to, that's absolutely, you you mentioned, (laughs) you mentioned the code switching, right? It's, it's another, I I just came across this term. I had not, I've known, I've had an awareness of it. I just didn't know there was, it was called code switching, you know, but it's like work, um, like what you described, it just reminds me of this constant, just switching your true self for this version that you think you need to be, right? So you you put this, this, this other persona, this other part, right, to take over, but this part just feels so, 
is, is, is so much pressure to keep putting up this front. Yeah. For the sake of the comfort of that environment that you're in or to fit in or whatever, you know? Yeah. And I think, and that's part of, and that's what I, and that's also part of decolonizing the work, right? Is like that, you know, your, your true self is your best self. And, um, and these ideas about like professionalism, um, rooted in like white supremacy, rooted in capitalism and like, um, and these oppressive structures um, really like hinder our ability to heal and our ability to help others heal. And so I think part of the work is, um, you know, I, I is learning how we've been colonized to decolonize, right? And like part of how I was, you know, colon, part of how I was colonized is that for me, that I felt like to be a professional, I had to talk a certain way. I had to dress a certain way. I had to show up a certain way. Um, and that I just, and I couldn't be myself because myself, um, was not good enough. And, um, I had to really like learn to let that go. Um, and, and I can, and when you talk about modeling, that's what I model in the classroom. And that's what I model to my clients as well. Like, I am unapologetically myself at all times. And that does, and, and some people may not <laughs> like that and that's okay. I, I, I have to recognize that like, I, you know, I can't be liked by all, like I can't be everybody's cup of tea because not everybody drinks tea and I can't be the, prof I can't be, you know, a white professional cause I'm not a white professional. I can't, right. I can't do therapy like, um, you know, a, a middle-class, uh, you know, white uh, person, because uh, that's not my background. Um, I have to be the professional that is me, Claudette. And I think that that is another part of really, un, um, really like uh, decolonizing the work is, is around that. I mean, and the same thing goes with kind of like, you know, with image, right? Like, you know, hair and, and, and how you dress and things like that, I think is a, another aspect of that, um, it, about decolonizing. Right. Um, it, it, so I, it's, it's something that I think it is really important, um, for healers to know. Um, I, I, cause I encounter it with my students. I can, I feel that, um, you know, the, the, I, cause I hear it from them, right. I hear that, that fear of like, I don't, I don't know how to be myself in these spaces where I feel like myself isn't the right way or myself isn't good enough. Um, and clients feel that all the time in their workplace, in right, in the, in their relationships and whatever. Um, and oftentimes like so much of like stress happens from we are not being who we are um and and in whatever capacity Absolutely. right whether that's like whether that's like you know whether that's like internalized homophobia as well right it's like not being true to our our gender or our or our sexuality um not being true to just being who we are i think um is 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 a big struggle for for us in this very oppressive like system that is governed by capitalism white supremacy um it it doesn't really it's a it's a struggle to be who you are in this in this in this system yeah, yeah. and you know what the most ironic thing you know with it, with all this is that the more you look within the more you decolonize and you really look at these systems of oppression from a more critical you know standpoint the more you do that work you realize that it is such a spiritual process yes. as, on an individual level right to to decolonizing you know in the sense of that you 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 eventually come back to yourself to that that uh, that full acceptance that I am good enough as I am the idea that I'm not or that I need to look a certain way or have certain you know eye color to be attractive or you know whatever it may be right that is a product of colonization but when you are able to let go and kind of 
go to the center and peel all these layers, you find yourself, your true self, your authentic self, which is ultimately your medicine, right? When you're as a healer, you know, as a social worker or your therapist, whatever you, it, that is your medicine. That is what you, what, what you have to offer, you know, in your healing work. And it's, so it's the irony, right? That we, it's so cloud. It's like your perception is so clouded, but by all, all of these layers that, that it's hard to see your true medicine, which is what, what, what you were put in on this path. Cause I, I believe, if, you know, if you're on this path, this, uh, this healing work, whatever path it is, there's a reason, right? You're not just, okay, I'm going to choose. No, it's, it, it, there's a calling, right. That, that is involved in this. I absolutely think of it as a calling. Yeah, it's definitely a calling. And I think that's the thing. I think sometimes we we might be blocking the medicine that we that we are in in different ways. Um, and we may not even know that. Um, right. But I think like I think you're right. It, the the um, you know, the power that we have that we hold in ourselves um has been so shrouded and hidden um, because of the world that we live in. Um, and the healing is coming back to us, ourselves, and recognizing that the power that we have within and our and our healing power within, um, I think is is really is really important um, to to acknowledge. Um, and you know, I think you know, in going along with this, like, um, you know. I've struggled with my own mental health issues. And I think a lot of, um, a lot of folks in, in the field have had either their own personal, their own personal experiences with mental health stuff or with mental health issues, challenges, um, realities, or in their families, right. Um, that they've seen. And like, for me, I think that that's the other thing about the authenticity is that, um, you know, I, that we don't want to acknowledge that us, we have also struggled and we have also suffered in, in, in this way. Right. And like, I think that it's so important to recognize our own humanity, that we are humans and human and humans suffer. That's part of our life. And that, and that in actuality, that suffering is a strength um, when helping others heal. And that's why for me, like I, I wrote, I wrote an article about my struggle with, um, with postpartum anxiety and, and, uh, like lifelong struggle with OCD, um, and, and post-traumatic stress disorder. And, you know, I use that, um, I use my own experience with struggle and suffering. And I use my own familiar, my family experience, um, with trauma, um, in order to help myself heal and help others heal. Like that experience is my medicine as well for myself and for others. And I think that's the other thing, right? Is there's so much shame, um, around that and that we, and that shame disconnects us from the medicine that we are. Right. Um, and so I think that's another piece of unpacking, uh, unpacking that and kind of decolonizing is like, um, Un- letting letting go of shame around these things that make us who we are shame oh my goodness that's a whole other you yeah. know thing and it, it's a whole other episode but shame it's just I, I i believe it's at the core of so much that we go through as individuals whether it's with trauma or your family of origin or where you come from your you know and you know especially for um, you know, for those that, that, you know, people of color, a lot of times with, with that, the deep, you know, code switching that we're talking about, the imposter syndrome, a lot of times when we really, really dig deep at the core of it is that, that deep sense of shame, like, who am I, you know, to, to do X, Y, and Z, I am, you know, and I, you know, if you only knew, right, like, if they only knew that it's, it's all just a, you know, it's a, these, these, um, 
I was gonna say like the cassette, right? Just keeps playing over and over and over. And and, and when we really are able to take a look at shame and, and you mentioned IFS at the beginning, for those that don't know, IFS stands for internal family systems. And it's a, a therapeutic approach that I also, I, I practice in with my clients and it's such a profound, um, it's such, I feel like it's, yeah, it's just a, a lot of wisdom there, right? And not, yes. not just like therapy, evidence-based, but just, so much ancient wisdom, you know, cool. because our ancestors knew this. I, and I, I mean, that's again, another topic, but, you know, from an IFS perspective, it's shame. It's a whole entity, you know, and it's a, it's a part that can really run the show. It could really run our lives. And, and when, when it comes to what we were mentioning the work with the client not feeling like we can be real like we have to cover certain parts of our we can't be a, we can't really talk about our own struggles we're feeling like you know you mentioned your postpartum and writing this and, and finding this as your medicine you know to help others by sharing your story so many people can't do that you know and i'm talking professional they they, they it's like they they still um uh, sign up or subscribe to the idea that that i have to be like a blank slate in therapy or a blank slate is so and i'm you know, the top bottom approach, like I'm good. I'm perfect. I'm here to help you. You are the problem, you know? And it's like, no, like we all, there's a reason why we're in this field. There's a reason why we do therapies. You know, you went into psychology, social work, marriage and family therapy, uh, whatever it is, there's a reason why you were called whether, you know, and a lot of times it's our own experiences, our family, but there's always something in those that say, no, I, I'm good. I just want, help people. I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that because I mean, they may not want to talk about it and that's great, but you can't say you don't have, we all have, you know, our stuff that we have to work through and, and, and life just has a way of making, well, whether we want to or not, life will make sure that we work through what we need to work through in this lifetime. Yeah. And I, I think connecting with that humanity is so powerful with our own humanity and um, our own suffering. Um, and con and connecting with another person in that is so powerful. And, and it, you know, it, it's not to say that, you know, it's like, um, you know, for me, it's just about like, I, I want to be able to share my story and share my narrative um, so that others can, can um, connect with it or learn from it, or also um, be empowered to share their story. Um, and, and not keep it and not shroud the work in like this, like, oh, you know, we're, we got it all together. Cause that's actually, you know, if, if we haven't struggled and we have, then how can we provide adequate empathy or how can, right. How can we provide, like, you know, how can we uh, try to understand the people that we're working with if we ourselves haven't, um, haven't struggled or, or worked with through our own suffering and healing. Um, and exactly. I think, yeah, understanding and pain, right. It doesn't have to be your exact pain yes. or issue, but you pain is such a universal emotional pain. I'm talking about, right. It's such a universal theme that if you feel like you've never experienced that, then how could you possibly understand someone else's pain? Exactly. Yeah. And I really do love the IFS model in that, like recognizing the different parts of ourselves, um, you know, I think there's a part of me that still often questions like, who am I to be doing anything? <laughs> like what, you know, who am I? And, 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 and questions like, am I good enough? And, um, you know, and what will other people like, you know, this Absolutely. What will other people think and what will other yeah. Claudette, yeah. thank you for, for being so genuine and authentic, you know, in this space, because I feel the same way. And I feel like a lot of times, uh, you know, people in, in mental health and, you know, just, or in general, right. Professional, you know, it's it, don't acknowledge that because one of shame, right. We were talking about shame and sometimes we feel like, well, no, I don't want to be looked at like something's wrong with you. I don't want, you know, but if that's reality. And, and I, you know, I, I think we all have that part, that imposter syndrome or that part that, that mean girl, you know, I, I've heard, yes. I think it was, I don't know, a book or I, I read it. It's like this mean girl within, and it's not, it wasn't a therapy book. It was just like a self-help book, but it was such a clear picture of like, we all have this mean girl within us. Right. And that just like uh, suddenly comes up, doesn't matter how accomplished right. And I think even I, at some point, even Oprah said that she, some, you know, she struggles with this from time to time. So 
I, and I think she was talking with with Michelle Obama. I don't remember. It was like yes. this. Yeah. And they were just like, yeah, like, you know, every once in a while we feel it too. And it's like, okay, if Oprah and Michelle Obama have this mean girl, like, of course we I have a mean girl. And 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 it doesn't matter, you know, what I've done or it doesn't, you know, there's this part within us that is that every once in a while comes up. Some of us have this part come up a lot more often and runs the show. And all um, some of us that have maybe have done a little bit more healing have it not not so often, whatever it may be, right? But it's there, and we all have it. And and it's important to acknowledge that for the you know for our listeners, it's like yeah, we we all we all struggle. We all have this mean girl that says who, do, who you know who do you think you are <laughs> to be talking about this topic or to be you know doing this, yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, you know, I think learning to kind of acknowledge what's happening there is still a work in progress for me. But like, because sometimes I think um, when that mean girl comes around, she can be a little loud and, and kind of yeah. <laughs> really. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and beat me down. And, you know, and I, uh, you know, I think, and I've done a lot of my healing work about being self-compassionate and, 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 and accept rated right, with IFS work, just like accepting parts. Um, and, and, it, you know, I think acknowledging like that, that part may exist to that part may be protecting us from the criticism of others. It's like, let me criticize you before other people criticize. Let me tell you before other people tell you, which is going to hurt more, right? It's like, and so this kind of acknowledging like, okay, you know, this, this part may have been created when I, you know, at, at certain different parts of my life and as a way to protect or as a way to manage, um, whatever's happening. Um, and so, and, and it's still a work in progress, but kind of acknowledging that sometimes for myself is like, okay, like this part of me needs to be heard a little bit and needs to, and needs some acknowledgement, um, and needs to, and that I need to understand where that's coming from. Um, and, and yeah, I, and that's why I do. Yeah. IFS I love it so much yeah no absolutely you know being able to identify when this part this mean girl or this part within you comes up that's a lot of times half the battle right yes. when it comes to therapy and healing yeah. is like oh there she is right there there you know for me it's like oh there, okay I see you I acknowledge you okay but you know what we're good you know to be able to do that it sounds so simple but that's like, I don't know, for me, it's been like, the, it was the moment I realized like, wait a minute, there's a part that I can talk back to and then I can like notice and become aware. And like, that was a game changer, right? So, so that's one of the beauties, you know, I, you know, we talk about therapy and it's not the end all be all, but if you are in therapy, if you listen to this, you know, that's part of the, the, you know, the healing work that we do in therapy, right? Is to be able to have someone else outside of, you know, our mind point things out like this, right? Because that's what we do. A lot of times it's just like pointing out things that we see because the reality is that someone outside does and it could be a friend also it could be you know a loved one your significant other but a lot of times people that are more there's a little bit of emotional distance a lot of times they're able to um or at least i should say not a relationship a personal relationship sometimes they're able to see things that yes. we are not able to because we have these blind points right uh, which is normal i mean just normal that's, like, that's being that's us being human right so when we open ourselves to help from others a lot of times we simple things like this can be like life-changing yeah insights yeah absolutely and i i do like i think one of the things i i know we're coming up on time and but i wanted to one you know and this can oh go ahead yeah conversation yeah so many things that we're talking about can be no whole- i know it's, it's just, yeah we've been having great conversations so yeah. um <laughs> yeah but i i you know, I wanted to say that like another thing about my decolonizing work and coming back to my authentic self has also been about like, in in talking about parts and and is like really connecting and offering compassion to my inner child and to my, to the, to the wounded child within me. Um, I think like, um, I think like part of compassionate self-compassion is like, how are you talking to yourself? 
Um, and oftentimes the mean girls like talking poorly to yourself. Um, and then, and, and you're talking poorly to yourself, but then you're also like, like the ideas of like professionalism again, or ideas about, um, what it means to be an adult is like, sometimes that means you push away that like playful, fun, um, childlike part of you. And that is another thing that I think is so important in my work. Like I am always playful. I'm always humorous. I bring humor to the classroom. I, you know, I, I like play <laughs> like in my, in my lectures, I play TikToks that are like, you know, just like funny TikToks that have to do with like making fun of social work or like, you know, I'm, I, I bring that to, um, to the work that I do with clients. And like, even now as we're talking, like, I'm like playing with a little toy. This is like my little fidget. It's like a little slug. And I'm like, you know, it's like my fidget toy, but it's also like a little toy that I play with. And, um, and I just think that I wanted to just say that because I think part of our playfulness, yes, yes it's so part important. Of itself, right, is like yeah, our inner child and connecting with that exactly that, um, and and that that's part of ourselves. And sometimes when we talk about professionalism or we talk about being an adult or we talk about um, whatever, like whatever role that we're playing, parent, um, caregiver we like have this seriousness about it or we have to be like, you know, um, and we forget like that actually like part of being alive is like also there's like this playful, like silly, um, childlike. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then, and when we, and when we do that and we, we make it the intention to heal and connect with the inner child is even more powerful, right? It's right, yeah. it just adds uh, another layer. In it. But I think absolutely, it's like going back to that that who we are at our core. You know, yes, we all have a, a, a little one within, and that little one wants to be seen and acknowledged. And sometimes doing you know different things like this that are playful and fun is a way to acknowledge the little one within and heal from the trauma that maybe our yeah, exactly. little our, our smaller selves have experienced. Um, I, I think, you know, it's tied into shame as well. Right. And how, you know, our childhood might be filled with moments of profound trauma and shame that we lock our young self away. And, and, and then, and, but that young self or that, that inner inner child is also part of our authentic self. Um, yes. Oh, I love that. Yes, absolutely. So beautiful. Our inner child is part of our authentic self. Yes. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Oh, well, Claudette, this was such a wonderful conversation. You know, we never know how it's going to play out. You know, we just kind of start talking, but this was, this was great. I think we talked about a lot of really important topics. So thank you so much for uh, being so generous, you know, with your wisdom and your life experience, sharing it with us. I really, really appreciate it. So for the folks that are listening and would like to get to know you or learn, or maybe read that article that you mentioned that you wrote, um, how can they find you? So I'm on Instagram at therapy with Claudette. Um, yeah. So I'll put it in the show notes also. Yeah. yeah so the hyperlink. Definitely. And people contact me through there. They can, if you know, um, about questions, about connecting with therapy, about anything like that people connect with me to that. I'm also on um, Latinx therapy, um, the- um, The directory? Directory. Yeah. Yeah, people usually find me there as well. And I wanted to say that, yeah, and you know, um, the way that you, the way that you kind of describe the podcast is a decolonized way, or right? it's just kind of like, we're having a conversation. There's no, like, <laughs> there's- I haven't thought about it, but yeah, yeah, it's right. Right, there's no like, it's not like there has to be this like set clear path about them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like whatever comes up. Yeah, exactly. And that's usually, you know, especially conversations like this, you can't really plan it out. You know, it's not like a Q and A. Well, you know, tell me what you, you know, tell me the definition of what. It's like no, like you know, that's not what people want to hear. You know, if if people want to know about what the definition of whatever they can just google it you know this is more about what you, you know your wisdom your your insight on you know 
decolonizing or, you know, shame, whatever we talked about today, you know, that's what really, I think that's what people connect to more than information or facts, you know? Absolutely. So thank you so much again, Claudette. And I hope to, to have a conversation like this with you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on. You can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast, and you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosachettilcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.